I, I got bullied a lot because I looked differently. And as a kid who didn't really see the difference that they, hey, they had lighter skin than I had darker skin. For someone who didn't see that, I remember that we had to, both you and dad had to sit me down and have this conversation. And the way that you guys did it was perfect. Let your kid know who at a young age doesn't really see those differences that, hey, you are different, but your differences are a strength. They're beautiful. They're unique. Today we have Jordan Schumann. Yes, we have the same last name. Yes, we are related. Jordan is the second of our five kids. And we're going to get into how he entered our family and all of that good stuff. But we're also going to talk about ministering and caring for people who've experienced trauma. Jordan leads Ascension Ministries. And we're going to talk some about how to do that. How do we lean in? for people that have similar stories, for people that have different stories than us. So just really excited to speak to Jordan today. Well, hi. (laughs) It's so good to see you. Nice to be here. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you today. I would love for you to give us a little intro of who you are, and that'll become apparent more and more as we talk. Yeah, well, I would <laughs> love to. You know, super excited to be here. So, yeah, um, my name is Jordan. This person on the screen is my amazing mom. Super, <laughs> super fun and super, super exciting to be here. But, um, yeah, uh, I have a ministry that, you know, God has blessed me with called Ascension Ministries. It's all about helping train and equip the believer to effectively share the Word of God, um, helping them understand the calling that God has placed on their life and how that, you know, correlates to what God wants them to do. So I post a lot of like, you know, daily teachings, videos, encouragement, stuff like that. Um, on top of that, I do a lot of like just playing guitar. I'm actually picking up the piano. I don't know if you know that now, but I actually like, I recently got a piano. So I'm now, I'm now doing a little bit of practicing and trying to get really good at that so I could be the next, you know, Mozart or something, do some funky music. <laughs> Jordan's got an amazing yeah, voice. No, I'm, I'm great. So check out his stuff. We'll have, we'll definitely yeah. have his ministry in the show notes. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Recently engaged to, as of, I don't know how long ago it was, not too long ago, handful of months ago. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, super exciting. Yeah. We're so excited. We love Michaela. We're so excited to have her join our family. Um, yeah. So Jordan, being the second of our five kids, as you can probably see if your monitors are working right, he entered into our family because of adoption. We look a little bit different. And uh, just a little bit. It was quite the journey for him and for us. And I just can't imagine our family without Jordan. It just like worked. It just meant it was like yin and yang and, and, and worked. Yeah. In so many ways, you you've blessed our family um, in just more ways than I can possibly enumerate. And you're also the yin and yang for your brother, because <laughs> so our oldest is is Griffin. He's 25, and when Griffin was 13 months, that's when Jordan landed into our lives. And so I had a one year old and a newborn, and uh, so they 
you know, just growing up together, hardly knowing who was who was the oldest because they're so close in age. And uh, Griffin is like firstborn, rule follower, you know. Uh, what uh, what other words would you use to describe George or Griffin? All of those and more. <laughs> <laughs> Loves the structure, um, all yeah. those uh, awesome qualities that we love about him. Jordan, especially growing up, was much more carefree. Yeah, like go with the flow. <laughs> Who needs rules? Like, right, rules, what's rule? What, what do we need? Yeah, yeah. Just fun, fun all uh, the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. But uh, the Lord knew that y'all needed each other. <laughs> mm -hmm. We balanced each other. I out. think so too. <laughs> I, I like to say that Griffin, Griffin's a responsible one. I'm the fun one. We both have a little bit of both, <laughs> but... but but he's the one who has so much more responsibility oh. than, than I do. But, you know, that's balanced out a lot. More yeah, now, so. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then when you were eight years old and Griffin was nine years old, what happened in our family? We got we got three girls from Columbia adopted we three did. girls. We did. We did. We adopted three girls from Columbia. And so our family of four went to a family of seven. And what are some Gosh. early memories you have of of those days? They were fun days. <laughs> we'll, we'll say that it, it was a it was a great time for learning a lot of new things. You know, because I think we were all we were definitely all super excited for for adoption, but it just opened up so many more doors to learn so many new things. Um, you know, with with just dealing with a lot of things. You know, good a little bit of some hard sure. things, but um, you know, I I can definitely remember like the the times where. Some fun, some really fun memories of having us all like in the. We, we we had a nice house in Texas with like a couch near a fireplace, and Dad would read us like some books and stuff like that, and just learning how to to be a big family. Because but I was so used to just it being me and Griffin, you know, and then you know you get three girls coming, it's like oh, there's a lot more. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can remember Easter egg hunts where it was just like mm -hmm. crazy madness. I can remember, you know. Christmas with stockings and and y'all just don't uh -huh. play together just like all the time they were they're all so all close time. in age so today Griffin is 25 Jordan is 24 Lady is 23 Andrea is uh -huh. 21 and Monica is 19 so they're 19. all just so yeah. close in age and so you can imagine growing up they were all just like playing all the time together outside inside all the things and Jordan, you had to shift from being the baby of the family to being like one of the oldest. So can mm -hmm. you talk about what that was like? Yeah, I was definitely young, but it was a weird shift for me because like you said, I was so used to being the baby of the family and all the perks and maybe some disadvantages too that come with that. And then three girls coming in, it completely changed everything. You know, me, I, I can remember there was a time where I just kind of realized that I, I'm no longer the youngest, and because of that, I got to kind of step up a little bit, you know. And again, this was me at a very young age, so I didn't exactly know what all that looked like. But I do remember having that thought: that it's time for me to step up a little bit and, and trying to try to start to lead in the same way that Griffin did for me when I was the youngest in the family before the girls. So it was a great learning learning experience. Well, yeah, I remember <laughs> that. I mean, I remember you like really stepping in and saying. Hey girls, something you want to know is this, or like, hey, let me show yeah. you how to tie your shoes, or 
Um, yeah. Yeah. I remember you having spiritual conversations in the car with the girls um, from like a big brother point of view when you were little, like eight, nine, ten. So, yeah, you stepped in so well to that. And, um, yeah. So, any other funny memories growing up? I know what we used to do. Um, right outside of our, our in our yard, in our backyard, we had like this potted plant that was sitting right next to the the door that leads into like the the main area. But right outside that door, there was a pot a potted plant, and we used to put like frogs in there. And I think it was it was mainly me, Andrea, and Monica. I think maybe Lady was involved. I can't remember, but I know we all at some point would like capture frogs and stick them in this potted plant <laughs> and. Kind of just every day we leave them there. We go catch some bugs, bring them bugs, and and feed these like toads or whatever they were. I don't know, but it was great. Mom made sure to always tell us. I remember at least. Mom made sure to always tell us to wash our hands after that. <laughs> they they were pretty gross. Sure. <laughs> Say that. I remember you guys <laughs> coming in one day after school and just rushing outside to go check all the frogs. And somewhere in there, I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? I think it's time for a dog. <laughs> I, think, I think it's time for a dog. Maybe. Much better than a frog. It's an actual pet. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, fun times. Okay. As we kind of transition to the next part, I wanted to ask you a signature question. And that is if you had superpowers today, right now, if you could choose what that would be, what would you choose? Okay, so anyone who knows me knows my favorite Marvel superhero is Spider-Man. You know, the whole spinning webs and the whole climbing walls and super strength. And, you know, just for, I don't know if there's any comic book nerds who watch this podcast, but if there is, <laughs> you know, I, I much prefer the Spider-Man that the, um, was it Tobey Maguire Spider-Man? His spider webs come right out of his wrist, opposed to the comic book accurate Spider-Man when he builds his web shooters. I like the Tobey Maguire one. So if I had any power, it would be to be able to spin the webs, you know, directly from a directly from the wrists. Love it. And swing around, swing one town and do that kind of stuff. I love that. (laughs) Well, um, good luck with that. (laughs) Probably not going to happen. There's not very many uh, tall buildings here in in Tulsa. I don't know how well I'll be able to swing around. (laughs) Might have to move to New York. That's awesome. Well, another thing I would like to ask you is, you know, you're a young adult. Uh, Jordan is. is 24, and I'm curious, as you look back um, on your adult life, which you're certainly still in, but uh, yeah. if you could look back at your 18-year-old self, what would you want 18-year-old Jordan to know? Things that you know now that you wish you knew, what, would you, what kinds of encouragement or advice or wisdom would you give 18-year-old Jordan? I would, I can remember, you know, when I, when I was 18, being really scared of I, like wanting independence, but being scared of it because independence for a lot of people can, well, it, it means kind of stepping away from those people maybe who are there to help provide for you and start, you know, making your own trail, you know, bring in your own income. And for, for me, Jordan, that was very scary. And even today, you know, I, I still have those times where like, oh, you know, that's, this is a little scary. You know, I'm, it's not that you know my family hasn't has abandoned me, but it's I'm starting to to blaze my own trail to to pursue my own callings and, and that sort of thing, and it's been really good. You know, I've I've had a lot of times where 
I might have been knocked out a little bit and felt like, man, how am I ever going to get out of this? But then I get out of this and I, I've learned a lot. So what I would probably tell younger Jordan is that what that what's coming is going to be better than what you're expecting. You know that, yeah, it's, it's always a little scary. It's always a little nerve wracking to be out on your own and, you know, have your own apartment, pay your own utilities, looking for your own jobs, doing all that sort of thing. But blessings and rewards really come from that, you know, especially when you're pursuing God and, and doing all that. And I guess another thing I tell them if I can, if I can do too, is the, the importance of continuing to pursue God through it all. You know, you definitely can't go through this life without God in any, in any way, shape or form. Um, you know, younger Jordan was, I would say he, he was spiritual, but he, he definitely didn't know as much as 24 year old Jordan knows now. So I definitely say if you, if you can do those two things, be excited for what is to come and, and not be, not be too afraid of blazing your own trail and continuing to pursue God that then you've got nothing but blessings coming your way. <laughs> mm, I love that Jordan. And two things are coming to mind. N- number one is that that's so you to say that because you're so, you just, your effervescence with positivity and encouragement and all of that. So, of course, you would be encouraging to 18-year-old Jordan to say, hey, it's going to be better than you <laughs> think, you know. Um, and the other thing is, it it is such a, a privilege as a parent to be able to ask these questions in a forum and like this and get, you know, an answer that will not just encourage, you know, 18-year-old Jordan, you know, in theory, mm-hmm. but actual other people that will be listening to this podcast. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. I really, really appreciate yeah. it. That means means a lot to the mama heart. <laughs> well yeah, you guys played a role in that too. You know, and I'm not just saying that. It oh was, no, no, no. It's not no, a, this I, is we, not about us. <laughs> true, true. But still I, I am gonna say that. <laughs> oh, you're sweet. Thank you. And well, the other thing about adulting is that you do have these parents. <laughs> mm-hmm. The parents or I I roll, right? <laughs> um, that are also going through a different stage of life because it's it's a different stage of parenting, you know, to parent yeah. kiddos that are in elementary school than kiddos that are twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-two. And so, you know, we have a lot to learn as parents about what adulting kids need, what adulting kids want, adult, what kids who are young adults, kid, our kids, you know, who are young adults that would say, um, maybe the reaction would be, okay, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. But maybe under that, they actually do want help, but are afraid to ask or really don't yeah. ask. I mean, don't offer me help unless I ask mom and dad, you know, there's just a lot of that yeah. kind of stuff that's so hard as a parent. And um, yeah, I would just love to hear advice that you have for parents of young adults, things that you would want us to not just your parents, but like other parents to know. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd say, and I, I mean this in, in a good way, but nobody's perfect. You know, no one at all is perfect. It, you know, it doesn't matter how many kids you've had. It doesn't matter how long you've been a parent. You know, it doesn't matter if you've adopted or or, or done whatever. Nobody's perfect. And That's right. To to think that you, you know, have it all figured out is is, is not the case. I don't have it figured out. I, I know no one does. And so, I what I would probably just say to encourage those people is, you know, just know that you're not perfect and 
just to continue to do the best you can. <laughs> you know, um, I, I can specifically remember times in, in my personal life where, you know, I, I got upset, our si- sisters got upset, siblings got upset. And there are times that I, I remember, I think you brought that you maybe didn't really know what to do. You know, and as you just kind of sought God and prayed about it, you feel like you should do this. You feel like maybe more you should do that. Maybe you should step back a little bit. Maybe you should, you know, push in a little bit, you know, whatever it was. And as long as I really just wait, as long as you do the best you can, because I think a lot of parents, you know, might go into, you know, start going into with being with kids is that like they have to have all the answers and no one has all the answers. And if you try to have all the answers for everything, it will just be exhausting for you as a parent. Well, so, and it is. I'd say take is that exhausting. weight off your shoulders. It, it is. I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's exhausting. And it's some, you know, kids there are, are, you're right. There's some even. sort of expectation like you're <laughs> supposed to have all the answers. And you might have mm-hmm. all the answers for a first grade math quiz or math homework, but yeah. it's okay if you don't have the answers for other things. Sorry, I kind of cut you off. But like, yeah, talk yeah. more about that. Like parents don't need to have all the answers. Yeah. And I can I can specifically remember times when we were homeschooling, um, where you know I would ask you a question to something on, on one of our subjects, and and you said, oh well, I don't actually know the answer to that. And uh, as a kid, that actually gave me a lot more respect for mm. you uh, as a parent because you know you didn't take the time to be like, well, I've got the answer and come up with something, but you know you were vulnerable enough to say, look, I I don't have the answer, but I can try to find it out, or I'll ask your father when he gets home tonight. And what that showed me as a kid that, you know, my, my parents aren't perfect. They don't know everything either. So I'm not expected to be perfect and know everything either. I am expected to do the best that I can. So that was something that I really respected. And I, I hope parents can hear that, that you don't need to have the answer, all of the answers. Nobody does. And if you do that, like I said, you'll just drive yourself crazy. <laughs> That's a great twist on it. I think sometimes parents mm-hmm. can feel like, and I know I have felt like the need to be perfect, the need to have answers, the need to always, you know, present in the best way in front of your kids. But in the ways that we are imperfect, what I'm hearing you say is it actually gives permission for kids to not be perfect. And I know that's something that I am still trying to learn. And I don't know if I'll ever get that right, but it's so good to hear as a parent. Yeah. It's very important. Like I, I can also remember times, you know, where um, you guys are really good at showing um, us kids how to have a healthy disagreement or argument, which I think is very crucial because there are times you and dad maybe disagreed on, on some things that just happens in For marriage. Sure. But yeah, you know, I think, you know, a lot of parents, what they'll do is they'll say, they'll go to another room and close the door and be like, all right, we're going to, we're going to disagree not around our children. And sometimes that is needed, but I can distinctly remember you guys having times where, you showed us how to have healthy disagreements with the people you love and do it in a way that respects one another and each other's views. And that way, whenever, you know, I have a disagreement with my future wife or with even my siblings, I can say, well, well, this is how mom and dad did it. Look, they're not yelling at each other. Look, they're not throwing anything. Look, they're not doing X, Y, and Z. In fact, they're actually smiling and they're not getting in people's face. They're, they're being calm. And if they can end you know, an argument in a very happy way, then we can do it too as siblings or we can do it too as, as husband and wife whenever you get married down the road. So, you know, showing showing those, showing your children that you aren't perfect, I think is 
more crucial than pretending that you've got all the answers and that you are perfect. Well, I'm glad that you remember things that way. I have plenty of examples <laughs> where we were not holding it together or whatever. Well, like I said, that, that goes back to the point. Nobody's right. perfect. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that is for sure. Awesome. Well, as our viewers can see, I don't certainly not probably aware if you're just listening to audio, but I am Caucasian. Jordan is African American, and mm-hmm. you know that was a journey for you, Jordan. And oh yeah, uh, being a part of you know initially a white family, Caucasian family, mm-hmm. and then when the girls came, we have white, black, and Latina. And so I'm just really mm-hmm. curious if you would talk for a minute about that journey of having interracial family, uh, international family, adoptive family, like some of those things. How did how did all of that hit you? Like how old were you when you started to realize like, oh, this is a journey for me, yeah. that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, uh, I would say like, you know, when I first came into the family, um, I, I didn't really... I, I don't think kids notice the color of, of people's skin really in any way. And I think that's that's a, a good thing, you know, because they're not looking at saying, you know, this person's this part, this person's that color. But I, I can't remember when I was, um, I don't know if it was preschool or whenever it was, you, you probably remember, but I, I got bullied a lot because I looked differently. And as a kid who didn't really see the difference that they, hey, they had lighter skin than I had darker skin. And for someone who didn't see that, I remember that we had to both you and dad had to sit me down and have this conversation and the way that you guys did it was perfect. Like, I, no, like it, I'm not, I'm not just saying no, it, it really was because you know, it's, it's a balance to let your kid know who at a young age doesn't really see those differences that, Hey, you are different, but your differences are a strength. They're beautiful. They're unique and how much you emphasize that. So and so as a kid, I, I then I can remember having to sitting down with you guys and realizing, oh, I do look different, but it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Um, you know, that, that didn't stop the, the bullying yeah. of course, in, in any way. Um, you know, I know that just broke me as a kid, I had my own Just broke our heart. Yeah. It's, it's just crazy. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, that, for sure. That we could talk sure. about. But I know it not only affected me and like, you know, my experiences with school friends, but it also affected you guys, you know, because I'm... I'm pretty sure people looked at you guys differently for having an interracial family right and, and for having definitely kids i'm sure that wasn't that wasn't great but definitely um, but we're like hey world here we are deal with it <laughs> i'm loving these kids and, and you could do whatever you want to do <laughs> yeah but yeah. uh yeah so how old were you when you started to be like okay i think i need to deal with my race and like give myself some some love and some grace and some time for the journey like what what age yeah. was that you might have to help me at the age i think it was when we first moved to kansas i think that's when it really i, I don't remember how old i was back then um but yeah it was when we we first moved to that would kansas be like 11 we you're about 10 or 11, 11. yeah yeah I, th- I would say that was the first time that I start to become s- more self-aware of who I am as a person, sure. my faith, um, my beliefs, all that kind of stuff. And I think that's when it really hit me that, you know, wow, I, I, I really am different, but it's it's a really good thing. And yeah, I kind of is. started to like own it, you know, 
you know, like I've really started to like make it my own that like, yeah, like look at my skin, dark chocolate. Who doesn't like dark chocolate? Amen. But yeah, I think that's when it really, really hit with me. I think that that's when I first started changing my hair color or my, not my hair color, uh, my hairstyle. Mm. Cause I think if you remember, I was very scared to at all change my, my hairstyle because I think it was in when we were living back at Hawaii when I was much younger. There was one time that like you would make really cool designs in my hair, like suns. I think you did a spider once for Spider-Man. It was awesome. But I remember getting made fun of that because my hair was different and I put cool designs in my They're hair. They're just jealous. Kids didn't like it. <laughs> no, they were jealous. They were for sure. They just they didn't have a cool enough mom oh. to do it, I guess. <laughs> but You're funny. Um, no, that really scared me. But then once I became, you know, more like eleven and I started realizing, hey, this is I am dark skinner, I'm black, and that's great. And I just kind of started owning it, and that's when I first changed my hairstyle. It wasn't a great hairstyle, I'll say oh, that. Oh, no, it was totally <laughs> awesome. Um, but I did change it. would be it. identified as the Frohawk. So, it was like a shark fin, <laughs> so it went up like like that. So like a mohawk, like but like with an tall. afro, so definitely pointed at the top. You rocked that for a long time. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely yeah. do. <laughs> well, I know that that was a part of your journey, and I just was so proud of you for the ways that you stepped in and, you know, let us speak truth and joy and goodness into that. But also, you had to seek some things on your own. And um, I love that, you know, a few years later on your you know, profile for, you know, your email and WhatsApp profile. It's just like, Jordan, I am black. Like, that's what your profile <laughs> said. It's just like, this is who I am and, I, and I, I'm, I'm loving it. And and that just made me so happy and proud of you as a mom. So, yeah. Anything else you want to add on that? No. no yeah. That's about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, your ministry is thriving you have lots of views on your reels on instagram i'm not on facebook um james drill is but i'm not but so you're you know so all i can see is just you know all the interest and stuff on your your reels and all the different topics that you cover and i love that you've jumped in on that can you talk a little bit about how that started and what led you to to start doing that? When I actually came up to Colorado for for Karis Bible College, um, Karis was really good at you know really bringing out the callings and the giftings that God has placed in each one of us. Um, I, I did like a, a third year; it was like a third year track um, where they focus on how to start and build a ministry and equipping people to to teach and preach and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's what I really like. That's what it really clicked in me. That like, yeah. This is what I'm called to do. Like it was, it was perfectly clear. Um, so after Karis, I had this desire. Like I, I want to start preaching. I want to start teaching. And God just start opening up doors. Give me churches to speak at X, Y, and Z. And God just kept telling me, "He's like, no, I, you're not ready for that yet." But I have given you other platforms such as YouTube, such as Instagram, Facebook, that you can start putting out messages right. on there. And I'm like, okay. Um, so I started ministry, and at the time it was called Jordan Schumann Ministries. Um, I really prayed for a long time. And this is actually a, a cool God story. I really prayed for a long time about a specific name for this ministry. But 
at, at the time, my maturity level wasn't there. I, I was, I would say I was known for starting things, but then not being able to finish them. And so as I kept praying, I'm like, God, give me a name for this. Give me a name for this. And what God told me, he's like, I want to give you a name for this, but if I give you a God-given, God-driven name for the ministry and I'm attached to it, and then you start it, but then give up a month later, then that all comes back to me as in, as in Christ. So I'm not going to give you that name until you've proven to me that you're actually going to walk this well, through. I'm like, okay. I'm like, that's that's deep. All right, yeah. fine. So Jordan Schumann Ministries, that way if if Jordan Schumann Ministries failed and had money oh, wow. and it wasn't that it wasn't then of God. So the pressure was I didn't was know on that me. story. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, okay, all right, God. It's on. Let's do it. So yeah, I started uh putting weekly uh teachings on there. I posted like 30 minute long teachings on YouTube and and that sort of thing. Um after about a year it kind of shifted to more short form, minute and a half sort of content because I, I'm really trying to reach the well, I'm, I'm trying to reach everyone, but I, I definitely want to prioritize more the the younger adult generation because those are the people who are going to be taking what they learn to the next generation. Um and they they watch short form content. So um, really prioritizing that. And then that's when the Lord gave me the name after about, I think it was the one year anniversary of Ascension Ministries. Uh, that's when he gave me the name Ascension Ministries. Um, and the Ascension means to, you know, rise up to the next level, to your, to a calling, right. um, to a position of power. Yeah. And that it was, it was just a God given name. So yeah, after that, I, I just have been continuing to, to be faithful, release videos and starting to dive into other platforms and do other things that we're still working on right now. But it's been good. I love it. You guys should check it out. So as you well know, Jordan, James Trail is about coming alongside people who have experienced trauma. We define trauma in so many different ways, but the biggest way is how it hits us. And so, yeah. you know, when we talk about childhood trauma, there's basically so much to, to say about that. But if you have been adopted, that means you've there's been an interruption somewhere in you know, between like being born and growing up, whatever phase that was. And if there's any sort of interruption there, that's dramatic. And it may have been a great transition into the adoptive family or foster, but but it was still challenging and traumatic for that kiddo. But there's yeah way many more kinds of of trauma than that including surviving an earthquake or like your experience being bullied at mm -hmm. school growing up there's so many different things so the the key is how it hits us right not the the yeah. definition of you know when it started and how long it went on and who who it impacted or it, the, the key is how it it hit us and so one of the questions i have for you today is how would you want to minister or care for people who've experienced trauma from from your perspective the way that you know you came into our family to different challenges you've had growing up to your your present adulthood as someone that wants to care for people and and reach people in an empathetic way what what would you say are some ways that you would want to to care for people who've experienced trauma yeah, well, one I would encourage them to find a good support group. Um, 
I, I personally believe it, it is crucial, no matter what you're going through, that you have people who you can surround yourself with to help point you in the right direction. Absolutely. Because if, if you're going through any kind of trauma, you know, no matter what it is, it is very hard to be able to do it on your right. own. And when you can surround yourself with people who are there to help lift you up, who are there to speak truth into you, even when you can't see it, who are there to guide you when you can't see the path sometimes, that's that's incredibly crucial. Absolutely. And that's one thing that I was really blessed to have, you know, with you guys. And you, you guys were really good with friends. And we, we had some really good, awesome friends too, who, you know, they maybe didn't specifically talk about, you know, the things I went through, but they were there to show me, you know, what good healthy relationships good healthy people mm. look like and then that sort of yeah. thing so I, I definitely say that's that's incredibly important yeah community it is all about community we like to talk a lot at james trail about kurt uh, thompson and his work on this in the I soul did. of shame i think i've talked to you about his his book yeah. in the past and just about the critical nature of community in our lives and i think sometimes as uh, i'm a believer in jesus i know you are for those of us that believe mm -hmm. and follow christ we and this is really mainly in in western culture we think oh i've got to have it together i need to deal with my own stuff yep. on my own you know or or just me and god we can get through this together and like that's not how God even is. set it up. That's not how the world is. is set up. We are set up to live in community, right? Yeah. And I feel like yeah. other countries actually get this better than we do in the West. Um, places, mm -hmm. even in more developing nations, understand the importance of family, extended family, uh, you know, yeah. community life. And I think that's something that we're missing in some ways in... I would say American culture or culture, you know, in West in the West. So, yeah, what do you think about that? Yeah, well, I, a lot of that has to do with the stuff that you know you you see on social media. You know, kids nowadays are all over social media, and it's always about do what you want, blaze your own trail. You know, not that it's bad to to blaze your own trail, but you need to always have people around you. You know, especially when you're going through traumatic experiences because you know just just to kind of root it in, in some spirituality you know that's the devil likes to take the hardships that we face and he likes to twist that to get us stuck and if we don't have people in our lives who can help guide us and, and give us some truth and and help us walk through that then it, it's a lot harder to get out of it not that's impossible but it's it's significantly sure. harder to get out of it so yeah. Sure. What are some other ways that you would want to, or that even you struggle to minister to people who've experienced trauma? Yeah. Um, I, I think for some people, if, if you've never experienced what they've gone through, it can at times be hard to relate to them in some ways. Um, with Ascension Ministries, I've, I've had to have, I've got to have some fun conference, not fun, but some good healthy conversations with some people who who message and sometimes it, it is hard to to find to to relate to them just because i haven't gone mm. through that but i what i like to encourage is just because you haven't maybe gone through a situation um that someone else has gone through that doesn't mean that you can't give them good wisdom and that doesn't mean that you can't help them through it 
So one thing that I've personally been working on is, you know, whenever people share tough stuff with me uh, about trauma or whatever they've gone yeah. through, um, always just to look for for something that I can kind of relate to my own life. You know, even if it's like you know they they were bullied and, and hurt or bad stuff happened to them. You know, we we can all pull at least something sure. from there and kind of expound on that. So it, it's it, it can be difficult at times depending on what the person goes through, but at least trying to relate to them in some sure. way is it's it's beneficial. Yeah, you're you're talking about empathy right there, you it know. Is. And mm -hmm. one of the things we like to say here at James Trail is I don't have to have experienced the exact same thing as you to be able to provide empathy your direction. You know, if I'm talking right. to someone who's from Haiti who experienced the earthquake, a devastating earthquake, you know, what was that, 2008 maybe? Uh, I don't maybe. have to have lived through that to provide some empathy for them in that moment i can say gosh that sounds terrible tell me more about that or do you yeah. do you want to talk about it or do you you need just me to just sit here and and just listen you know uh that's the kind of relationship building and community building that we can do for each other in some really powerful ways and so even though i haven't experienced that exact thing that person, I hope in those moments, can feel seen and known and cared for. And then if it is something like bullying, for example, I mean, that mm -hmm. is something that, that you can relate to. What is different about that kind of, of ministering and caring for people who've experienced trauma? From ministering to people who've, who've gone through bullying? Yeah, like it's it's one thing if, if you haven't experienced what they've experienced, but what if you have? Like how does that change your approach when you're caring for people who've experienced trauma? Because yeah, I, I think with a lot of people who experience trauma, they feel like they're the only right. ones. And when you can let them know that, hey, look, you're not the That's only so one. That's so good. I went through the same thing. This happened to me. This so happened good. to me. And this is what people said to me. Then they're like, oh, really? Like I thought it was just yeah. me. You're like, no. And when they can realize it's not just them, that gets them one step closer to overcoming. Because now they know that I'm really not right. Alone, you know, and then to kind of bounce off what you were saying earlier, one of the most powerful things I think you can do when when talking to anybody with trauma yeah. is sometimes not giving them a solution, but just being mm, there to listen. Yes, just you know, just keeping your mouth shut and just being like, "Yeah, I, I see that. Yeah, wow, that that must be hard." And that's one thing that I've learned a lot of, especially um, now being in a romantic relationship with, you know, of course, my, my fiance, yeah. um, just whenever, you know, just hearing her and, and having that that strength just to just to sit there, not try to, to fix yeah. it, but just to listen to her and how that really does help the situation. It's the same. You can apply the same thing to trauma. When people just feel heard who haven't maybe had the opportunity in their life to feel heard before. That says that really speaks a lot to them. I would. Think. Yeah, absolutely. It it's that empathy, community building, and you're not alone that okay. grows us. It grows me as I'm attempting to care for another person, and I hope that it grows them in in a way that says, "Hey, you really aren't the only one." And I don't mean that like in a yeah, your stuff isn't important kind of way. What I mean is. You know, don't feel like you got to dig yourself into a hole of isolation because 
that it really is. makes things even harder. So, even harder. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's great. Any other comments or thoughts you have on, on ministering to people with trauma? Anything else you wanted to add? No, no, I, I think, like I said, that, that's the stuff that I Whoa. try to mainly use, but I think, I think that's good. Yeah. Gosh, it's been so fun doing this with you today. And you just offered all kinds of wisdom. And uh, I know I w- want to be like you when I grow up, Jordan. <laughs> I, uh, hey, you're already no, there. No. <laughs> I um, appreciate your, uh, your joy and your wisdom and, um, actually, I want to be like all my kids when I grow up uh, <laughs> because I am just super blessed. But as we close up, Jordan, I wanted to ask kind of one final question, and that is, where do you see beauty in this season of life? Mm. You can take, That's yeah, right? Question. I wish I could say <laughs> I, made, I made that up, but... Um, yeah, like where, and that could be metaphorical. It could be like in a creative way. It could be like, where do you see beauty in this particular season? I would say, and I'm, I'm going to explain this a yeah. little bit, but I'm going to start with a statement and then explain it. I, I see beauty in the lack of things. Mm. And what I mean by that is I, I'm in a season right now where hallelujah, I'm, I'm completely provided for God's got everything. I'm, I'm doing good. But I definitely don't have as much as I once had. But when I get to the point where, I, where I'm, I don't have as much as I once had, all that extra space that was filled with extra stuff I don't really needed is now being filled much more with Jesus and his heart and his love and all of that. And I found a lot more beauty in that. In fact, even in a season where I don't maybe physically have everything as much as I would want to have. I actually do have everything that I need to have and it's really been great. And I've, it's, it's been a very relaxing and peaceful season. <laughs> I'll say that it's been a hard season, but even in the hard time, there's always peace. So I, I'd say that's where I find, that's where I've been finding the most beauty uh, in that, in that time of lack. If that oh, makes yeah. sense. <laughs> it does. I mean, sometimes when we have less finances, we have really, less places for the money to go. And so it simplifies exactly. things a little bit. <laughs> it does. It makes it, it's, it's nicer. You know? It sometimes makes things really straightforward. But I think we can all relate to the stress of that as well. So yeah, thank you for defining that as as beauty and um, sharing that very uh, Jordan-esque positivity with it, which I'm sure, you know, has been its its own journey for you. But man, oh, this yeah. has no been <laughs> so fun for me. And thank you so much for hopping on with us and um, sharing your heart, your your life, your ministry, and um, doing it with all people of uh, your mom. <laughs> so. yeah, people of your mom. Yeah, I really appreciate well, it. Hey, thank you for having me. This is this has been yeah. awesome. Super fun to to get stuff. So we got to do this, right? <laughs> I'm so down. <laughs> thank you so much, Jordan, and we will catch you on the flip. We have an amazing team here at James Trail, and our podcast is produced by Zach Lucero and marketing and copy by Liz Ramsdell. For more information, please check out our website at jamestrail.org. 
guys, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. It makes a huge difference on where our podcast goes, who hears it, and make sure and share the podcast with the people that you think would be of value to, of impact for. And also, just wanted to make sure you guys have information on Jordan's ministry. It's called Ascension Ministries on YouTube. Also, check it out in the show notes. Thanks, guys.